Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Have you ever had someone tell you that you'll never achieve something? That being a hairstylist or therapist will only take you so far? That there's no way that owning a salon will give you a life of freedom or profit? Well, I did over and over again when I owned my salon. And boy, I was super determined to prove them wrong. In our industry, everyone's journey to success looks completely different. Whether you're being in a hairdressing apprenticeship at age 16 or 30, whether you work in a small town or a globally recognized stylist. Everyone has their own goals and own ambitions. And your journey is no less successful than the owner that you see on Instagram winning awards flying across the world. Success is actually how you define it. And I believe that reaching success comes down to a clear plan from where you want to go, a roadmap of how you're going to get there and having the support behind you to achieve it. Oh, and don't forget a little bit of fun along the way. And did someone mention wine? So today I want you to meet globally recognized and ever inspiring Patrick Cameron, who I greatly admire for his dedication to this industry. Now, Patrick was born and raised in a small town right here in New Zealand. And after 34 years in the industry, he's killing it over in the UK as a world leading long hair specialist. He's also a successful educational speaker with a training school for stylists and worked uh, with global salon brands all around the world. I know you'll find Patrick's story motivating. I know I certainly did. So sit back. Let's listen. Let's meet Patrick. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Very pleased to have you here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And of course, it's wonderful to be able to speak from London all the way back to New Zealand. Well, let's start with that, Patrick. Um, why don't you start with who are you? Where are you? Where did you come from and what do you do? Okay, well, first of all, uh, I'm here in London, so this is my home. It's been my home for 34 years, but I'm originally from New Zealand, and I'm from a little city called New Plymouth in Taranaki. Now, for a lot of you Wellingtonians and Aucklanders and people around the around New Zealand, many of you may have heard of it, some of you may have travelled to it, but I adore it. It is just one of the most wonderful little places in New Zealand, and interestingly, Larissa, it just won Best Little Small City of 75,000 or 80,000 in the world. So uh, I did not I know this. Yes, it got first or second place. So that was pretty cool. I think it's first place, but I might I might be wrong there. Hey, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm from New Zealand. I understand the transition from New Zealand to London. I understand the transition that many hairdressers make when they're trying to look at a bigger career outside of where they're from. So as a New Zealander who is now hailed as one of the world's leading long hair specialists, and I've been living here for 34 years, and I've had a global brand for over 30 years, uh, Darling, the floor is open. You talk to me and you pick my brains. Yeah, hopefully someone <laughs> out there will be listening and be inspired. Well, I'm hoping the same. I know the same. Um, well, let's start with 
how did you get into this industry? Where did you start? Let's start at Humble Beginnings. Okay, well, I started in Taranaki originally, uh, obviously. I was trained by a lady many of your uh, listeners may know called Lindsay Loveridge. She was uh, quite oh. iconic in her time. Lindsay, many, many, many hairdressers know her and respect her. So Lindsay is my mentor. Fancy having Lindsay as a personal mentor. And uh, she trained me to be a hairdresser. She saw the talent in me long before I knew I had me in that direction. And, uh, and she sort of molded me and, and helped me be the best that I could possibly be you know I, I I can remember you'll love this the very first time I went for an interview with her and she sort of knew that I, I liked long hair and she said Patrick just show me what you can do with long hair and I grabbed a mannequin and I put the mannequin between my legs and the hair grips in my mouth and I started working <laughs> and it, at the end I was so proud of what I had done and she said to me she said Patrick that is really good but now let's learn how to do it properly and uh, that was the beginning of a journey that was just un unbelievable, unbelievable. So I, I was trained by her in all the facets of hairdressing, cutting, colouring, long hair, perming, you name it, I did it. I love it. I, um, I really just thought of something right in that moment. How, and I want to ask the listeners this, how often in an, in an interview do you say to a potential apprentice, show me what you can do yeah. i love that yeah. like why where did we yeah. lose that we say we say yeah. to them i come in for a trial and let's see how good you are behind the broom and see if you yeah. you know yeah 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 oh, oh listen listen <laughs> listen and we will we will discuss this we are a changing industry and we are not an industry of do unto others as we had done unto ourselves so i can talk right. about that to the cows come home <laughs> and do you know what it really is it's about show me share with me your passion let me see your vision let me see who you are as a person and Lindsay did that in spades and she was incredible she always knew how to push our buttons and how to inspire us and the things that she knew would turn us on to to looking at ourselves as hairdressers in a really positive light yeah I love that so uh you qualified here in New Zealand what was the next step yep so the, I qualified in New Zealand. Now, I, I started an adult apprenticeship, which meant that uh, I was accredited a thousand hours uh, and um, it meant that uh, I was that much older. So I was almost 22 when I started hairdressing, which is quite late for a lot of hairdressers, as you mm. know, most start after school at 16, 17. And um, so by the time I qualified, you know, I, I was I was 27, just over 27. Oh, sorry, I was 26. Then I gave Lindsay a year and I always wanted to travel. And for me, it wasn't the traditional uh, New Zealand, uh, New Plymouth, Auckland, Auckland, Sydney, stop in Sydney, never go any further. That's it. We stopped there. That's great because Sydney is an amazing city and incredible. I had always envisaged I wanted to go further, further into Europe. I wanted to go to the United Kingdom. I wanted to go to London and then I wanted to see Europe. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking any hairdresser that stopped in Sydney, because I'll tell you what, if I stopped in Sydney, I'd still probably still be there because it's a pretty amazing place. Or Auckland, you know, I think everywhere is an amazing space. But for me, it was absolutely logical. With Lindsay's training behind me, it seemed absolutely perfect to go from the small streets of New Plymouth to the large streets of London. And that was just absolutely made up in my mind. And did you know right from uh, young that long hair was going to be your thing? I didn't even know I wanted to be a hairdresser. I knew nothing about hair when I was <laughs> almost 22. 
Honestly, listen, my life, you couldn't make my life up. I left school with nothing, absolutely nothing, even being told I wouldn't even succeed. That's how, that's, you know, I, I suffered with a tiny little bit of dyslexia, not much. I mean, I can read and write, I can do all the things, but I'm one of those creatives that's very ambidextrous. So I can eat left-handed, I can do things left-handed, I can do things right-handed. So I was incredibly creative. So I was into the painting, drawing, the arts, making, crafting, anything like that. And academically, you know, I mean, on retrospect, you know, when you look back on your life in hindsight, I think, and I'm not pleased, I'm not laying the blame at my teachers. I'm really not. It was a different time. It was a different time. We're looking at the, the 60s and 70s here. If someone had just took, taken the time to say to me, Patrick, through English, there's theatre. Through theatre, there's this amazing world that can open up between this and that, and books belong to this, and you can do that. And I was never shown that. And so it never equated to me that what I was dry learning at school actually had an impact on me in the, in the, world, the real world. So I left school with nothing, started in a music shop. Luckily, my parents always identified that I was uh, creative. I learned the piano from about the age of six or seven. And I started working in Collier's Music Shop, which is a, a music shop that was in New Plymouth at the time. It's long since gone. And, uh, and then I, was, I got involved in theatre, amateur theatre, the operatics, little theatre, repertory and so on that a lot of New Zealand cities have. And it was through there that I met a gentleman who was leaving the creative department of a window dressing department in a big department store in New Plymouth. And he said, you should try out for this. So I went for an interview. I met them. They loved me. I started working there and they trained me as a visual artist, uh, doing all sorts of merchandising displays, ticket writing, card writing, show card. Back then there were no computers, so you had to do it all by hand. So I started on that and I adored it. And I created things like Santa's trains for the, you know, for the Christmas parade, or I do all the interior uh, display designs and the, and the things. I, I won awards, some New Zealand awards for my windows. And I was loving it. And I wanted to learn how to do the wigs for my models and my mannequins. And I also was getting very involved in theatre. And I wanted to start learning how to do long hair in the theatre because I kind of sort of thought I'd like it. And, and that's how I became a hairdresser. I went past Lindsay's one day, Lindsay's salon, because I had a friend that worked there, a lady called Jenny. And I went in to see Jen and I said, Jen, is there a night course that I can do at the Polytech? And she said to me, Patrick, are you interested in, in dressing? Uh, sorry, interested in hairdressing? And I said, oh, I don't know. So I went away uh, back to work. This was a lunch break. Next thing in the afternoon, I got a telephone call from Lindsay saying, Patrick, can I see you tomorrow, please? So I went. Now, I knew Lindsay's mother. She was a, a, quite a famed director in our city. Lindsay had watched me on stage and all the productions I'd been doing. She'd watched my window dressing and she called me in for a meeting. And, uh, and I didn't know what the meeting was about. I just went in. And uh, anyway, she at the end of the meeting, she said, Patrick, I want to offer you a job as, a, as an apprentice hairdresser. And I kind of went, oh my God, I didn't even see that coming. I don't even know what a role is for, let alone anything else. And I never forget, I rung my mum and dad and I said, mama, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a hairdresser. I've decided today, you know, and I just won an award for window dressing. I've just won an award for that. And I was doing really well and I loved it. And, um, and my dad was quite sort of upset going, well, Patrick, you're doing so well over there. Why do you think you want to go hairdressing? And do you know, my answer really was, 
dad it's a trade it's a trade you know oh my god someone's going to teach me and i've got a trade and that's what really floated my boat and that 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 sense of of i can get a trade this is me as a young man if i could get a trade i think i could look after myself for the rest of my life i think i'm i think i've got something something special unbeknownst to me of course not only did I have something special I had the wheels and the wings and the god knows what to to reach probably the highest heights that any hairdresser in the world could reach so yeah looking back it's quite an amazing story really I love that that's really great and and one that sort of landed on your lap in a way unbeknownst to you that it was coming your way I I tell you life can change up change on a Tuesday Mm. yeah that's right (laughs) hello Just me popping into this episode with a little message. If you want help implementing a strategy to help build and grow your team, then let's connect. Become the CEO you know is inside of you and know life is for living, not slaving. If you're committed to leveling up your business, maybe you've thought about working with me, but you're just not sure, then let me tell you who I work with. Maybe we're a match. I work with a certain type of salon owner, a salon or spa owner looking to make a huge leap forward. You have a team of four or seven or more and are already smashing seven to eight K a week or more. I help salon owners prepare and get to $19,000 a week. That's a million dollar business. If you're more than ready to step up and become a real CEO of your business, rather than just another day fully booked on the floor and the business just becomes overwhelming, and stressful. You know you want to grow a team and a sustainable business that's not centered all around you. A successful, predictable, profitable business that works without you. Not that you don't have to drive it, but it's not dependent upon you. You're willing to be open, coachable, put the right strategic systems in your business. You're a massive action taker. In 60 days from now, things could be completely different a year from now life and business could be better than you ever imagined if you want to have a chat see if we're a fit and salon mastery is right for you then dm me let's talk or you can find salon mastery application on www.salonownerscollective.com fill out the application i'll get it have a look through keen to find out more about you and your business all right for now let's go back to the episode Let's jump forward a little bit and talk about sort of transition from hairdressing to actually teaching uh, your art. So I was working, I'd worked at a couple of salons in London and like all Kiwis, we're great communicators where we don't really look at the class system so much and we just get on and do it, don't we? And I was approached uh, to work, I was working in a salon in Camden Town, if anybody knows London at all, Camden was incredibly trendy in the the 80s, well it still is, but in the 80s it was even more so. And um, and I was, uh, I was working in a salon. I was about to work. I was about to leave the salon and I was going to go and go on a holiday to Germany to visit some friends there. And um, anyway, this salon group bought the salon and they approached me and they said, Patrick, we'd really like you to work for us. And I just, I said, oh, so thank you so, so much. But no, I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'm going to go freelance. I've got a portfolio I'd been working on. I'd sort of done some guesting with photographers and I was doing what I wanted to do. And um, and I said, thank you so, so much. I said, but no, I, I really am. I'm, I've got a plan and I know what I want to do. I'm going on holiday and I've got a plan. And he said to me, he said, Patrick, 
we've been watching you and we because they were sort of watching the salon that they'd bought during the month that I was working my month out that I was going to leave and he said to me he said go on your holiday and he said when you come back I'd love you to have a meeting with me can we meet up for a meeting we just talk about things and I said sure absolutely let's do that I went away on holiday for, for probably about three or four weeks, had no thought whatsoever of meeting with this gentleman. I knew that I had a meeting with him uh, a day after I got back. So on the plane coming back, I pulled out a serviette and I started writing down all the things that I wanted to say at the meeting. You know, obviously I was going to write this out better when I got home, but I wrote it out and I, 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 it was hilarious. Honestly, I wished I had kept this piece of paper. So I get to the meeting, which is in a beautiful hotel uh, down, um, where is it? Down, down, I'm trying to think where it was. It was central London, West End, absolutely stunning beautiful five-star hotel he's sitting there with his beautiful suit on and a and a, we're having sort of a Devonshire tea with all the scones and bits and pieces and stuff and so he started talking to me about the company Baker Street we were down by Baker Street and so he started sort of talking about the company and things and then he said Patrick you know we'd really like you to come and work with us and I didn't want the job and I was being very polite and I said to him I said listen I've got some uh, some things that I'd like to ask you that I would like that would be really important for me before I say yes and um, he said to me, I said to him, I would like 25 pounds an hour. Now at the time, and I'm honestly, I'm God honest gospel. I was making about two pounds 50 an hour. This is God honest gospel. This is hand on my heart, <laughs> hand to God. And I said, I want to make 25 pounds an hour for when I'm working. I'm going to, I said, I want to do all the shows, all the educational forums and so on for the company. They had 35 salons. Uh, I said, oh, I wanted accommodation. I wanted an apartment in London. I'm happy to pay rent, but I want you to sort out an apartment. I'd just come back from holiday. I needed a place to live. I said, I wanted, I wanted endless holidays. That seemed like a fantastic idea for a Kiwi. I wanted endless holidays. <laughs> Whenever I wanted holidays, I wanted holidays. And anyway, he was laughing. And there was a couple of other ludicrous things in there I can't remember now. But basically, at the end of the whole thing, he took out a beautiful Mont Blanc pen from his very expensive suit. This pen's probably about three or 400 pounds. He went click, click. And he went, looked at the list and he went, tick, 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 you start tomorrow. He said, but I will tell you, Patrick, if it doesn't work out after a month, we will say thank you very much and we will let you go. I burst out laughing. And I said to him, oh, I'm so sorry, you misunderstand. If it doesn't work out for me, then I think you're gone in a month's time. And that was the beginning of the most incredible ride of my life. And I became the artistic director, not over 35 salons, but 540 salons, including Harrods, 20 in South Africa, 150 in Germany, uh, Denmark, Belgium, uh, South Africa, Ireland, England. And I was the, the artistic director over the largest hair company in Europe. Wow. How Good sad. for you, because you didn't want the job. <laughs> because I didn't want the job. But I think what they could see in me was this, this person who was creative, who was honest, who was fun, who was, who was someone that people related to, you know, and because I was training the team in the salon that I was working, only out of the goodness of my heart, because I wanted them to be better. You know, it wasn't something that I was asked to do. It's just something that I did naturally. I always like to share, you know, again, and we'll touch on this later. I think the secret to success in any form is sharing it. You know, you can't hold success. You've got to share it. And Lindsay had given me such a fantastic foundation that when I saw a hairdresser failing in something, I, I naturally wanted to share how to do it probably in a better way. 
I love that. And how long did you hold this position? Um... Oh my God. I held this position for probably about four or five years and we grew. So we, we had 35 salons and we just grew. I'd go to work on a Monday, we'd bought another 20 salons. I'd go to work on a, the following Monday, we'd bought a country of salons. And, and so it was, it was, I was train the trainer. So they had a training team. They had a senior training team and a junior training team. And then I would go and train each of these teams. And then anything to do with media, I would be the, the front person for media. Any shows that were going on, uh, then I was the front person uh, that would do the show and put the concept together, bring the teams together and do whatever I was going to do. So, and, th and that grew, you know, I remember my business partner, she was our head of uh, communications and she was PR for this salon group and she had a big year planner right beside her table and I only had one or two little dots on it and by the time probably after a year it, it took over her life this year planner just had a life of its own it was full 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 because of course because I was a large company Weller and that, that's who I, I, I'm with, Wella, uh, said, Patrick, we'd really like you to come and do something for us. And uh, I, I remember flying to Germany to do something and they went, wow, oh my, oh my goodness, I, we really like this. And then they spoke to Italy and I went to Italy to do stuff. And then Italy spoke to Argentina and I flew over to Argentina and they spoke to Brazil and I was over to Brazil. And that's how it happened. And from one thing to another, all of a sudden this, this tour de force started literally traveling the world and that's how it happened for me so countries were like mrs smith mrs green mrs brown except instead of having uh, clients i had countries yeah i love that so let's talk a little bit about the actual work that you were doing mm -hmm. once you were working for yourself and you went out on your own um mm -hmm. how did you settle into long hair specifically and and what does that look like today? Well, first of all, um, I, I started, obviously, when I became the artistic director, it was all about cutting, colouring, perming, and all that. So obviously, all of that was there. And I was, I was, you know, I loved, I adored cutting, and I thought of myself as a good cutter. I, I loved all the other elements of it. And so I would train everything. And then I remember doing a big show called The Close Show Live, and it was in Birmingham NEC. And it was for about 15,000 people, uh, 10, 15,000 people. And I was on the main stage and I, I, we were booked to do a, a presentation. And I remember thinking, well, this is not to hairdressers. This is to the consumer. This is to uh, people in fashion, people off the street, so to speak. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to do hair cutting and I'm not going to talk about colouring and so on and so forth. I'm going to do something very, very visual. I'm going to do long hair. And so I developed a technique way back then. And we're talking about sort of 19, 1989, 1989-1990. And I started doing some things. And when I'd finished the show, someone who I respected a great deal, who worked for Weller, he said to me, Patrick, he said, I came back to him and he said, Patrick, I've just watched you on stage. And I've been in this industry something like 35 years. And I have never seen someone do what you just went and did. And I, I was really surprised because it just came naturally to me. And I designed what I was going to do. And he said, I've never seen anybody do long hair the way you do long hair. And he said to me, if I was you, he said, I'd cut everything else out and I'd just concentrate on long hair. And that was the piece of advice I got. And that's what I did. And I remember saying to Sue, uh, who, who I was working with, 
So I'm just going to do long hair. And everybody, everybody in the industry said, Patrick, this is suicide. You can't just do that. You can't, you really can't, you know? And uh, I was, it, it was amazing. And I was asked to do a big show at the World Hairdressing Congress. Uh, this was the very first show that I was going to do long hair. And, um, and I, I remember two and a half thousand people. It was at Earl's Court. I was the second to last show of a two-day program. The hairdressers were asleep in their seats. And, um, and I was doing long hair for it. I had didn't have, you know, excuse my French, but I hardly had a pot to piss in, really. And I made all the costumes. I even made all the jewelry. I made everything that I could make. And I, had, and I thought to myself, you know what? I could have 25 models or I could have eight fierce models. Yeah, that were just the bee's knees. Because everybody else back then was doing shows of 30, 40 models and God knows what and everything. And, and anyway, so I had eight, I think it was eight, I think it was either six or eight. I'm pretty sure it was eight beautiful girls. I choreographed it. I did everything. And as the show started, I put, I chose my music and I came out to Abba's Dancing Queen. I came out, I came out dancing. I came out laughing. I came out speaking. And I was the first hairdresser in the whole exhibition, you know, of two days that actually got up and spoke. I spoke, wow. I laughed, I talked about what I was doing. I explained what I was doing. Each model happened quickly. Each, it was the beginning of my style, really. Each model happened. And at the end of my show, I had two and a half thousand people standing up, giving me the first and only standing ovation that particular event ever had. And that was the beginning of Patrick Cameron. I love it. I love that. It's a, a super inspiring and so interesting that that uh, was kind of such a big turning point, not only for you, but actually for the industry in terms of change of yeah. style. Yeah, massive, yeah. massive. Because before that, really, people didn't talk. I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but they didn't yeah, talk. Sure. They put music on, the music would just pump away, they'd do hair, the camera would come in, go out, come in, go out. So you never knew why they were doing what they were doing mm. what was the inspiration what was the feeling why did they do that you know so you never got that whereas with me you got it in bucket loads and I always believe that people should enjoy education they should feel as though they want to come on that journey with you and and I do I, I bring them with me Patrick take us into uh, a day in the life in 2021 like what is what does life look like now so life looks life looks good. I like I like life. So 2021. Let's just backtrack slightly to 2020, March 2020. As an international hairdresser, you could imagine I was in New Zealand. Uh, I'd flown back from New Zealand. Now bear in mind, I come to New Zealand every year for the last 20 years for two months a year. Yeah, I come back. We have a beautiful home out there. I built a home, a grand designs. It's, I love it. I come back and I spend my time in New Zealand with my friends and family. So we were flying back and um, I, was, I got a message. We were in Hong Kong, I think, from my business partner saying, oh, the job's cancelled when you get back. That's fine. So I got back into London, got back home. And then I started talking to my business partner and the emails were coming in. And every job that I had just fell over. Every job fell over. Yeah. And my first day of work was only about two months ago in Greece. And I got to Greece to do a show. And uh, about a month, and, a month and a half ago, I did a big show down there. 
And then I did, uh, I hosted a big show here in London at the Roundhouse, which is a huge venue. And then I hosted, and I did a little event at Salon International. So three events in 18 months. My next day of work is on the 5th of March for 6,000 people if it comes off. Amazing. And how have you enjoyed or not enjoyed, as the case may be, the transition from in real person to being primarily... Oh, good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> good for you. I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, owners, uh, salon owners, and their journey around long hair. Um, I know yep. for me, um, I remember a time when I was petrified of long hair because it meant so much typically brides and I would take an excruciating amount of time <laughs> to do it because it needed to be so perfect, put a lot of pressure on myself. And I then had an opportunity from L'Oreal to step in to do some long hair education uh, for New Zealand, which I loved and adored, but I had to pick up, pick myself up and remove the fear and get really good at it and, and practice, which was, was great. I actually loved it. But I know that fear and worry that a lot of owners have, but also stylists have, if you haven't been educated properly or you haven't you know, been in a salon that do long hair. And I would feel that as a salon owner, uh, when new stylists would come to work and say, sorry, I, I don't know how to do long hair. I don't do long hair. And so we started uh, a mantra, if you will. We don't do, I don't do. Like, if you come here, we don't do, I don't do. We're a long hair salon. We do long hair, so you'll have to learn. So um, the fact that I was educating in long hair helped that a lot, and it really became a big part of the culture. But I'm keen to know your thoughts uh, in educating people and and how do we inspire you know, to get involved in something like this? Can I tell like you? This? Can yes, I tell please. you? It's easier. It's easier for me to train a truck driver to do long hair than a hairdresser. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. You know why? Because a truck driver doesn't know they can't do it, and they'll try it. What happens is hairdressers block themselves straight away. Now you've got to remember, whenever you're doing long hair, it's always for an event whether it's a wedding, whether it's a gala dinner, whether it's a something. People don't come in off the street and say, oh, it's Tuesday, I think I'll have my hair put up. They don't. So they come in for an event. So there's a lot of pressure on you already to get that event right, to make sure that it's right. Also too, hairdressers, hairdressers have got very short memories when it comes to remembering that they were shit at cutting. You know, they were no good at cutting <laughs> and coloring. They had to learn that stuff, yeah? And so they forget that there was a learning process. They forget that they cut their mother's ear. They forget they cut it too short and they did the wrong haircut. They have this amnesia when it comes to education. So what happens is, how can you compare long hair, which you've only spent 20 minutes in your whole career doing, with something like cutting that you have spent literally six years, eight years, 20 years doing. You can't. So would you just chill the hell out? Just chill out. What you need to do is you need to learn fantastic foundations. As you know, as a long hair educator, it's all about the foundation. You cannot teach an emotion. You can only teach a foundation. It's up to them to find their emotion to take that to the next level. Yeah. And so whenever I'm educating, whenever I'm working, I am passionate about the individual hairdresser's journey. So I have hairdressers that are 
that have come to me and just, you know, said that, that I've taken the fair out of long hair, which is one of my mantras, take the fair out of long hair. And I've just managed to open up a whole new world to them that they were inherently terrified of. And that's with just having a couple of really great foundations. How do you grip? How do you pin? How do you pack? What's the balance of a great hairstyle? How do you work? How do you consult your client? How do you do a beautiful consultation with long hair? All of these things. And the thing that I find hilarious is that if we're truly honest and we look at our client base, you will, if you look at your client base, you will discover very quickly that probably 60% of your client base, if not 70, have long hair. Yeah. So in one way, form or another, whether it's shoulder length or longer. So we're coloring that beautiful long hair now. We're doing lots of gorgeous cuts on the long hair. We're doing everything with long hair, but still so many hairdressers are terrified of stepping into that fray of being able to dress it, you know? So really for me, it's about having great foundations, great ideas, great inspiration. Look at, please do look at my access all areas. I have over 300 hairstyles available to you that will literally dispel the myth on how to do this, how to do that. And so find great education, really be inspired by great education. And remember, long hair is truly the artistry of our industry. And long hair, more than a haircut or a color, will command an emotion from hairdressers that is unprecedented in every other area of our industry. I can do long hair on stage and have hairdressers that have been hairdressing for 40 years crying when they look at what I'm doing and how I do it and I tie all of my long hair up with beautiful storylines emotions collections that really bring it to the audience and it's quite the experience for a lot of people that come to see one of my shows yeah I love that um I want to just touch on you said about uh investing in foundation I think this yeah. is so 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 true uh, and something that I forgot recently, I was uh, asked to do my sister-in-law's wedding and to do her hair. I haven't done hair for 10 years. I, I'm now a full-time business coach. Um, so I practiced my little heart out, Patrick. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things I had forgotten, of course, is the, investing the time and the foundation because then everything else Absolutely. is easy. Yeah, 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 that's true. That is really, really true. And I think, I think also too, people forget that, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to communicate to your client. What are you wearing? Tell me about what you're wearing. What are you doing? What are your necklaces? What are your earrings? Tell me about that. How's it going to fit? What do you want? Are you, do you want it soft? Do you want it, you don't want it chic? Do you want it very elegant? Do you want it classic? There's so many different genres that they can do. But first and foremost, you have to get the client on board. You know, the last thing you do on a very tall girl is give her a high head style you know most tall girls want things most girls that have got very long hair want very elegant very chic things on an asymmetric or low into the back of the neck or sitting at the back of the head nothing that gives them height you know anybody with layered hair often want things that are a little bit softer very tasseled so they want things that are very soft so soft hairstyles need a very strong foundation to make them look effortless you know so there there are all sorts of different ways that i will go into a head of long hair purely and simply through finding out the personality of the client and what they expect. I love that. It makes me all excited about long hair all over again. Um, <laughs> right, I've got, I've got one last question because I know that this is yep. uh, a challenge for owners. You know, in terms of picking up uh, long hair as something to focus on as a team culture and, and to really step into that and remove the fear from a team, 
Um, I just, what I adored about what you said is that I think about the client and the outfit and the, uh, the, the earrings and the inspiration. Where should a salon owner start in terms of building an inspirational educational journey? If we, if we were at the beginning of the new year, you know, you know, what, like, you know what? I need to change things. Do you know what? what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I could give you lots of different names, but they've come to me over the years as well. Just come to me. For goodness sake, I've got so much education available to you. Come to me. I'm not going to push anyone else. You know what? If I can't be working in a salon and I can't be working and I'm here in my studio and I have been for two years offering incredible education day in, day out and doing stuff, I am not going to promote anybody else because I ain't working anywhere else. I'm working here, which means <laughs> I'm working for you in New Zealand, wherever you are, I will work for you. We can do webinars. We can do lots of different things. I do a lot of motivational speaking uh, to, to sell on groups, to students, to colleges, and so on. And so for me, you know, I, I, normally I'd always put it somewhere. I'd say, well, go and see this, go and see that. But I'm, you know what? I'm, just about, I'm at my point of career and saying, come and see me. <laughs> and, um, and I'll help sort you out. And I promise you, I absolutely promise you, I adore teaching and I adore the individuality of each hairdresser and each journey they're on. Yeah. All right. Well, as a business owner, um, what is a, a quote or a mantra that keeps you as the owner kind of on point, straightforward, out of out of stressful times? Stressful times. Well, if they if they, you know, really, if, if they if they didn't want you, then they wanted something else. And I think, you know, I think I've always thought you're only as good as the last thing you did. I believe that is to be true. I don't believe we all we should trade on past glories. I think it's about where we are now today and where we're going to. And I think if you think you know it all, it's time to give it up because it's a pretty rude world to be in that you think you know everything. So I think that's a pretty bad space to be in if you're a hairdresser, if you've closed yourself down and saying, well, actually, I think I know it all and so on. Then I'd say it's time for you to get out because you're not absorbing, you're not learning, you're not sharing. And I think if you know it all, you've closed, you've closed down already, you've closed your lid. And I don't think that's a good place to be because as creatives, we, we have to keep on putting things in. And I don't mean that you've got to keep on doing education, you've got to, but you've just got to be looking. You've got to look at magazines. You've got to look around you. You've got to look, what's that person wearing? What are they doing with their hair over there? I love that over there. So you just keep on experiencing what the world around you. Don't close down, you know? The more you close down, uh, the harder it is to be creative. Yeah, I love that. Um, Patrick, what is a, a book a podcast, some kind of resource or something that you've looked at recently and been inspired by that you think all owners should get their hands on? Um, you know what? I, I love, I mean, obviously social media. Let's go to social media. I love my TikTok, you know, about bits and pieces, my TikTok, my Instagram and so on. I'm, I'm always inspired by a lot of stuff that's going on out there in the digital world. And that helps me sort of go through. I look at things like the Oscars, the Grammys, the awards, what's happening on the red carpet around the world. That inspires me as well. And Often it can only be, it can be one tiny little thing because what I'm not wanting to do is I don't want to become a carbon copy of someone else. I want to take an inspiration. Like to give you an example, I'll tell you now, this hairstyle here was an inspiration from something that I saw on Instagram. And I really loved it, but I didn't like the way that it wasn't secure in the hair. And I didn't like the way that if a, if a hairdresser was selling it, it wasn't going to hold up. Even though the logistics of it, the way it looked, looked beautiful, I knew that you know, the hairdresser doing that 
it wasn't going to be going anywhere because it was just something on a mannequin head. So I took that, I reformulated it, I restructured it, I changed it all, got an amazing result. And so that inspired me. So I'm continuously looking. But when it comes to education, I'll tell you this now, don't hook your wagon to charlatans, yeah? Hook your wagon to someone who you believe in, someone you know to be a great educator, and then use that as your foundation, whether it's cutting, coloring, or long hair, use that as your foundational base, and then butterfly off into the world of social media and have a lot of fun. But always come back to a grounded sense of education that you feel as though you're getting from, from one place or one or two or several places. Don't continually butterfly. There's so much out there on the wild, wild west of the, of the internet web that... Um, you know, you can, get, you can get so caught up in it all. And please, please don't be one of these people that think you're famous in your own living room. You know, it's, <laughs> come on, get real guys. You know, you need to train, you need to do your things. Don't just get it Instagram ready and then you can dot, you know, touch it all up with all your filters and God knows what. Get your skill behind you, get your trade. You have to remember we're in a digital world now that equates to people feeling cut off mental health has never been as bad as it's been it's getting worse we've gone through covid we're now looking guys please think the long thought the long thought is this the more people cut themselves off from other people the more important we as hairdressers are becoming because we are one of the very few touchstones that they will come to and sit inside our space and we will communicate with them. We will make them feel better and they will go off from our chair feeling better. Even a doctor doesn't have that power, yeah? We have the power to share happiness. We have the power to share our creativity. And I'll tell you this now, that is one potent, potent, potent power. And I call it my superpower. And that's what all us hairdressers have is a superpower to make people feel better. Because I tell you what, if anybody came into your salon and they felt like shit at the end of it, you've done a very bad job. <laughs> and I would doubt very, very much whether many hairdressers would be in that situation. Why? Because you give unconditionally. You give of yourself and you don't even know you're doing it. You give unconditionally. We are givers. Yeah. So please put a put a, a respect on top of our industry. We are becoming an industry where it's becoming more and more important. And so I encourage, I implore young people to enter our industry. Yeah, for sure. I know people are going to come uh, and want to stalk you and find you and learn all about you. So give us your dub dub and your socials. Where can okay. you so I'm, I'm real easy. You. Patrick Cameron. Patrick Cameron Hair will bring you to Facebook or bring you to Instagram and link through to my internet uh, site, uh, www.patrick-cameron.com. I'm easy. Just type in Patrick Cameron, for God's sake, long hair. You'll find me. I really, really appreciate the time that you've given us. We will let you go and have a lovely dinner uh, as I go and have my breakfast. Um, appreciate you. It's been great. And that's a wrap. What an episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and loved everything about Patrick. Now, where Patrick started to compare where he is now uh, to where he has been, so much success in his career. And I think it comes down to taking risks and putting yourself out there. And I want you to do the same, to always dream big, truly pursue a life that you're passionate about.
and you can start living the life that you've always wanted right now. Or as Patrick says, your life can change on a Tuesday. And I want to help you in your journey as a salon owner. So if you're ready to take your salon to the next level, then maybe we're a match to work together. I work with salon owners that have a team of four or more and are already smashing the seven to eight K a week or more. <laughs> All you have to do is click the apply now button in the show notes of this podcast episode. Let's see if we're a good fit to work together. Otherwise, I look forward to connecting with you next week on another episode of the podcast. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.